1: from raw materials to finished goods and everything in between. I'm your host, Mark Restelli. All right, so next up we have Ishki Hemp. Uh, We have Daniel Prawl, the founder and president of Ishki Hemp, based out of Northwest Oklahoma. Ishki Hemp was founded in 2018 and Danielle has been involved in the hemp industry since 2016. Her focus is on company trajectory and business development, as well as scaling farming practices and sustainable growth in the hemp industry. Her background is in startups. Uh, It began in the solar industry in 2003 and then went all the way to 2015. She focused on project development and incentive capture for commercial and industrial scale installations. She also taught yoga for 17 years and has a second-degree black belt in Taekwondo. So we can expect to get loose during this next 15 minutes, but don't step out of line or you might end up with a black eye. <laughs> awesome.
0: Thank you. Thank you
1: for being here, Danielle. Um, and welcome to The Hemp Show. The floor is yours.
2: Thank you so much for having me. I'm delighted and loved listening to those uh, first two presenters. Um, what a great group to come together for this thank you for putting it together
1: you're very welcome
2: all right so i'll go ahead um so yeah ishki hemp is a farm services hemp company i migrated out to oklahoma a couple of years ago and my migration actually came from both my desire to get more heavily involved in the in the hemp and cannabis industry but also um, I had relations out in Oklahoma and the one thing that Oklahoma has a plethora of is farmland. So the doors for uh, cannabis legalization on both sides, you know, there was a lot of of hemp that was getting started up and we felt like we wanted to kind of band together as a family and start a business that would really focus on um, not just uh, scaling the industry, but also being able to work with farmers and hopefully give them a foothold in an in an emerging industry where we know, you know, the big fish are coming soon enough. You know, there will eventually be um, and maybe already starting up these multiple thousands of acres of farms that are corporately owned and it can kind of steamroll all of it. Paul was talking about the difference between kind of the, the craft market, supporting smaller farms and, you know, going on the other side of conventional, just like mowing it over farming practices. And I would say that we're we're trying to step and find some of that middle ground. We're trying to meet farmers where they're at. And the farmers that I talk to on a daily basis may have anywhere from, you know, 40 acres to 200 acres. Maybe they have five 5,000 acres it's all under center pivot, but they're very, very used to traditional farming practices, i.e. using Roundup to knock down weeds, 2,4-D is very common out here. And so working with a a mid-sized farmer, so to speak, um, but also educating them about how hemp is different. You know, I know there's a lot of research going on, but I know that there are a lot of companies that They don't want to take the risk of having, you know, some sort of pesticide or herbicide or or something that's going to be present in that oil once it consolidates. So uh, our first year of operations, we put up 120 acres in Oklahoma and uh, 50 acres in New Mexico. We fared uh, all right. um, And we planted all clones, which, you know, without going into too many details, live plants. What we realized is... Again, these farmers are used to utilizing equipment and it's a lot of labor to farm hemp as more of a horticulture crop. And so we started working with groups and also experimenting with doing higher density planting and being able to maximize equipment, minimize labor. Again, so these farmers can step into the industry, they can have a solid foothold in the industry as it grows and we take that all the way through to extraction. We pre-plan plant, help them harvest, take it all the way through to extraction, and then we offer really fair splits on the back end so that they can monetize this crop for as long as possible. Uh, One more thing I'll say just about our ethos is that, again, this, this crop is gonna go in the direction of traditional agronomics pretty quickly, and we would like to carve out a culture that you know we focus on living soil and no-till practices we we make this about sustainable agriculture as much as possible it's harder to step in with a corn farmer who has been doing it for a lot of years and incent them to try something new it's been a little bit easier with the hemp industry to do that so we're working with several great farmers this year we have uh, 700 acres in the ground again this is high density seed planting We are expecting a tri-crop out of uh, our harvest this year, so we'll get, we've got good stocks for fiber based on the way the plants are growing and the genetics that we have in. We'll also have some grain for seed, or seed for grain, excuse me, and then of course we'll have uh, some CBD which we we run through our extraction lab in Oklahoma. So that's kind of our focus. Excellent. Yeah. So so if we'd oh, like, I mean,
1: we, could, we can start diving into the questions. Definitely have some questions for you. Um, I know yeah, you covered absolutely. it. Yeah, you covered it. You covered it very briefly. Um, but can you go into more depth about your, your current farming methods that you employ?
2: Absolutely. So uh, this particular season, we actually planted last year, just to give a scale, we planted about 2000 living plants per acre. So you had row spacing, uh, we don't put down traditional plastic, but we were in a no-till. Um, this year we planted 125 to 175 thousand seeds per acre. So we planted it a little bit more like you would plant a traditional wheat crop. Um, once those plants grow, there's very little maintenance. so what's that's one of the advantages and and if you get the your timing right on it, the nice thing about hemp is that it will outcompete just about any, thing under the sun. So out in Oklahoma, pigweed is a big deal, gets six or seven feet tall. Uh, Our hemp plants tower over that. And, you know, we've got a field that's running about 10 to 13 feet tall in terms of plant size. And again, we're just trying to meet farmers with the practices that they're used to. uh, And they can utilize the equipment that they're used to. little bit different than the craft side of course because with craft you're going to really you're you're going to push those plants in a different way but you know this is a way that we can start to farm at uh, a higher scale you know and getting to those thousands of acres increments so that there will be a supply that's u.s bases the industry grows there's still a lot of product lines that are pulling supply out of out of europe there's no reason why we can't as a as a country have all of those processing services here. We, I just don't believe we need to ship everything to China for processing, right? So right. we're trying to establish solid and larger scale processing in the U.S. and Oklahoma is a good hub for it.
1: Well, well speaking of processing, um, what, what type of extraction methods do you utilize?
2: So right now uh, we are utilizing cryoethanol, so al- alcohol-based extraction, and we take that all the way to full-spectrum distillate. We also produce isolate. Uh, coming soon will be THC-free distillate. I think, you know, they they touched on the previous two groups just the obstacles with DEA rulings and the FDA rules that are coming out. Um, so we're just we're trying to preemptively get set up for those. So THC free will be coming. And we're also in the process of getting our uh, good manufacturing practices certification. So quality control is a very big deal in this industry. Um, I understand why there are a lot of products that didn't pass kind of anonymous testing if you will. And with the FDA regulations coming, we just want to make sure that everything from chain of custody uh, to, you know, out external testing, independent lab testing, we've got all of our ducks in a row to put out a good, clean, high quality product for wholesale to the marketplace.
0: The O Cannabis Conference and Expo returns to Toronto June 1st through the 3rd, and there are still good booth locations available. This exciting event is free for cannabis retailers and will feature Tommy Chung receiving a lifetime achievement award at the O Cannabis Industry Awards. For more information about exhibiting or to register to attend, go to ocannabis.com. That's o c a n n a b i z.com.
1: Excellent. So so uh, within that you mentioned the the DEA rule with the USDA um Now, how specifically or is it affecting you and your business in specific ways? Like what obstacles are you kind of seeing on the horizon with that?
2: Well, you know, it's funny. I would like to connect with FIDE, the 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 FIDE freight that just was speaking. But oh, I'll definitely get DEA you guys rules, connected. Yeah. <laughs> the way the DEA rules are currently written, um, full spectrum distillate without remediation of THC may be problematic to ship over uh, over state boundaries, and so we just we want to look at that and make sure that again we're talking to the right people we have the right protections in place we are we're wanting to do it the right way and some of the rules that come down don't necessarily support the industry is the way i feel we need that to be supported i mean the last thing i want to do is have to tangle with the dea for anything when we do everything under license in the state you know all of our genetics are legal by standards we get all of the state testing so just those kinds of complications, figuring out how to fit into the box of, of of rules that they put in front of us, THC free and isolate may be the direction that we go primarily just to mitigate the risk of that.
1: Excellent. It's almost like you're playing a game of dodgeball. They keep throwing new new balls at you they just come out of nowhere
2: <laughs> yeah but, exactly i mean when i read it i was like this doesn't really make logical sense but you know law is not always based on logic i guess so we, we go uh, especially
1: against that. in the cannabis and hemp industry i mean for everybody yeah, that's I, been in these industries for a long time we know that in many cases it's not logical um all right, so next up here, I got another question for you. Uh, where do you see the hemp industry, you know, being, being a farmer, um, you know, farming at scale, where do you see the hemp industry progressing over the next two to three years?
2: Uh, and Paul touched on this. I really think there's going to be a, a segment where there's going to be a side that is really strictly craft specialty genetics, you know, high concentrations of certain cannabinoids or certain terpene profiles that are processed for very specific applications. And then there's going to be this whole other side that is going to go the the direction of traditional uh, uh, agronomy and large-scale farming practices for, you know, just the litany of if Coca-Cola puts out a CBD water, those sorts of things, you know, these larger scale companies that are going to come in and they're going to be consuming the product at a much larger scale right now. So we have the opportunity to do a lot of as much as we can get the word out there about, you know, customer education for what they actually are consuming. I think FDA regulation is going to help us in the big picture because again, there's going to be just more marketing and more information that goes out about CBD but I also am hoping that we have a really solid foothold of, you know, a culture that goes into it that makes it so the, the ways that we're, the things that we're educating the audience about also are heard in that particular noise, that the more specific medicinal benefits are met, the the, the benefit of the terpenes or adding terpenes, any of those kinds of things, that it does maintain some sort of medicinal quality and doesn't get diluted out too much just in the desire to sell the next pop- popular product. You know, I believe in cannabis and all of its medicinal properties. I believe in it as a, a, a plant that can produce just about anything under the sun, plastics, sugars, biofuels, you know, it could go on and on. But um, I, I do see it going into a very large scale. And I think it's the biggest thing that's happened in traditional agriculture, you know, maybe since soybeans or maybe since the industrial revolution, I don't know. This is, this plant will change the face of farming in a lot of ways. Right. Um, I, think, so, I think you share yeah, that belief. Yeah.
1: I think you share that belief with a lot of the people that are uh, attending, attending this uh, hemp show today. Now I, we got a little yeah. bit of time left. So got time for okay. just one more question. Uh, this is actually a question from me. Um I'm curious as a as a uh a second degree black belt in taekwondo you can definitely kick my butt but um I'm curious to know what type of products you prefer um as an athlete I mean especially doing taekwondo I'm sure you've get you get some injuries here and there and have some ailments that you treat with these type of products
2: Absolutely so my sister who's also involved in the in the company um I like heavier doses of CBD. I find uh, CBD with a little bit of the full spectrum with a little bit of THC. um, That's kind of my sweet spot. Um, I don't consume as much during the day. It'll be smaller dosages during the day. But I feel like adding some additional essential oils and terpene profiles specific to either nerve relief for topicals, Um, So we're working with two different formulations, one that's very specific to um, assisting with nerve pain of any sort, and then one that's very specific to muscle pain. So just divvying up how it can affect those soft tissues, and then really seeing where there's a sweet spot with a little bit of THC goes a long way to help. Um, some people are more sensitive to that, you know, so just figuring out where people can consume a little bit of both. I'm a big believer in the Entourage Effect. I think as a full spectrum product with terpenes, it does best for people. I, so
1: I'm definitely and with you I do you have
2: done some doses quite often. Quite uh, often.
1: I, I'm definitely yeah. with you there. I, I, I myself prefer the combo. Uh, but thank you for joining us today, Danielle. Um, if you're interested in connecting with Danielle or Ishti Hemp, please add them to your network on CanTrade. You can also place orders directly or ask questions from the Ishki Hemp Wholesale menu posted in the webinar chat and on the trade floor feed. Thank you very much. And once again, I mean, I hope to see you again soon and and maybe I'll make it out to Oklahoma in the near future.
2: That'd be wonderful. All are welcome to visit. And if I can support anyone on the platform, please just reach out.
1: for listening to today's show. To check out more Great Cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other
0: shows. Are you looking for the next great cannabis business to invest in? Then you need to check out the MJ Bulls podcast. Hi, I'm Dan Humston. Join me each week as I speak to both cannabis entrepreneurs who are raising capital and cannabis investors who are investing capital. Our 10-minute episodes are perfect for the busy investor. Start listening to the MJ Bulls podcast today, wherever you listen to podcasts, and who knows, maybe you'll discover the next cannabis unicorn.